0: And uh, I want to thank God that you are here and you are able to make it to the service today. God has been so awesome to us as a people. And I believe every one of us has a testimony or the other that points to the goodness of God on every side. If this is your first time of coming to the church, you are very, very much welcome. And I want you to know that you will be welcomed, especially in a short while from now. We want to also thank God for those who are joining us on LiveGate Outreach TV, those that watch this on our LiveGate Outreach TV page on YouTube, and also those and bus sprouts. We are truly grateful to God for the privilege to be able to reach you where you are, and uh, we want to really thank God indeed. I had a testimony from Nigeria in the course of the week uh, that really touched me. This was a young Muslim man. That I've known for many, many years, Uh, but uh, by reason of this privilege of being able to broadcast these messages, he told me he's been listening. Hallelujah. And it touched my heart very much because God who is awesome and God who is faithful knows why he does these things. And I pray for such souls across the world. We hear testimonies from Canada, from Europe, from America, from various parts of Africa. Uh, that this very humble inputs from this little town called Warsaw is reaching these nations. We are truly grateful, and we pray that God, who is doing awesome things in our lives here in Warsaw, will also be reaching you where you are, in the name of Jesus. So I want to thank God for this privilege. We started uh, a series last week on enjoying holiness by divine help. Those of you that are very aware, this is our covenant season of divine help which means that we are celebrating throughout this year the privilege of being helped by God and by God alone. You see, the help that God gives is immeasurable. We can't measure it. We can't quantify it. You can assess what a man does for you. If a man pays you money or gives you money to help you to to do something, you can quantify it. You can easily say, this is what this man did for me. He gave me, I needed a thousand pounds to do something, and he gave it to me, and you can easily measure it. Well, you see, God's help is such that you can see certain things and there are lots of other things that you don't even see. There are arrows that fly by night that he prevents from getting to you. There are things that should have happened in the journeys that you undertook and you were sleeping in a car, in a plane or something that he intervened and you did not even have a clue. You just came out from the other side. There are things that should have consumed your marriage that he came in and stepped in at the right, just at the right time and he said something to the other person that quieted things down and so on and so forth. We must truly know that divine help is something that we should treasure as Christians. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we are talking about enjoying holiness by divine help, we need to understand that this simply means that God who called us to be holy is also willing and ready to help us even to walk in holiness. Hallelujah. And so our banner today is simply on the topic that we have. Our topic is the Ancient of Days, our helper. The Ancient of Days, our helper. And so simply speaking, the Ancient of Days Is the God whom we are revering today. Our God is called the Ancient of Days. This particular title represents one of his attributes of holiness. And uh, it is through which we are also able to walk in holiness. Last week I said to you that every attribute of God, every name of God is such that it allows us to see him manifest in different ways. However, ultimately, it is just for the purpose, ultimate purpose of us to be able to walk in holiness. Mention any name of God and you will see that he, he, he reveals himself to us in that way, but it is much more about helping us to be able to walk as he has commanded. Praise the Lord. We read last week, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and I want to read it again because we'll be reading it throughout this, throughout this period of uh, uh, meditation on the on enjoying holiness by divine help. 1 Peter chapter 1 from verse 3. The Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. You and I have been given this inheritance by the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We, we established this last week, and that is why we say he is called Abba Father. That is why we refer to him as Abba Father, the Father who really cares for us, who desires that we spend eternity with him. Let's read verse 13 together, First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Let's read it together up to verse 16. Let's go together now. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope, Fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former laws, as in your ignorance. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16. Because it is written, be holy. For I am holy. And I said to you last week that God cannot ask you to be what he knows you cannot be. And he cannot ask you to be what he knows he cannot help you to be. So the moment he said be holy as I am holy, there are certain things we must understand about God. When God speaks, it comes with a power that commands the, uh, the, the, the power to make that thing happen. Every time God speaks, it comes with a power to make it happen. When he said be holy, it simply means the power to be holy is released with the word. Amen. We know this why from Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And then the next thing we heard in scripture is that and there was light. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So nothing stops ever what God has said from happening because the word he pronounces carries the power to make it happen. He is not like man. Man can say, I can be there for you. But man may not be there for you because man is limited. But when God says, let there be, what he is saying is that, I desire it so, and I release the power to make it so, because I have such power. Amen. So when God says, you be holy, as I am holy, what he's saying is that you have the potential to be holy. I have given you the power to be holy. Now go ahead and be holy. Hallelujah. When we have this understanding, we no longer struggle as we struggle with the work of holiness. A lot of us want to walk in holiness in our power. We want to keep a set of rules and do's and don'ts. And we find that we keep falling and keep rising and keep falling simply because we are doing what we are not, we don't have the power to do. We need to rely on the one who said be holy as he is holy in order for us to walk in holiness. Hallelujah. And so this is why we need to understand God in these many ways. Last week and throughout the prayer times we spent so much time looking at the father, his fatherhood. Looking at why the Bible says we have been adopted into joint inheritance with his only begotten son and then we can also call him Abba, father. We can also call him father and we we went in extensively into what it means to be sons of God and how to rely on his fatherhood to remain holy. Now today I want us to spend some time to look at what he is to us in his person of being the ancient of days. The Ancient of Days is our helper indeed. We read from Daniel chapter 7, and this is the only portion of scripture where the name of God as the Ancient of Days was mentioned, as a matter of fact, three times. And everything that we read in that place points to how he has decided of his own accord to rescue the sons of men from the dominion of darkness and to give them an inheritance in his own kingdom. Daniel chapter 7 verse 9 is the very first mention of this name of God. Let's read it together. I watched. Are you reading with me? Daniel 7 9. Let's go together now. I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. His hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fairy flame and its wheels a burning fire. Now, obviously, if you remember very well when we read the first eight verses, we don't need to turn to it now. It shows, it told us that Daniel said he had dreams and visions and he saw four beasts. One was a lion, the other one was a bear, the third one was a leopard, and the fourth one was just a creature he could not even name. It had ten horns and it was very fairy and it was looking very dreadful. And Daniel said, all these four beasts were manifesting their own power. Having dominion over the sons of men. Making life difficult for the sons of men. And Daniel said, I watched. I watched all that was happening and people were bewildered. People were walking in in hopelessness. The world was in darkness under the tribute and the hard-fisted and high-handedness of these beasts. Daniel was watching. Daniel was a man of many visions, as we know. And particularly visions of what was to come way ahead of his time. Way, rather, after his time. And Daniel said, I was watching and then suddenly thrones were put in place. Thrones were put in place. The regime was about to change. And he began to watch more keenly and the Bible says he saw that the ancient of days, and I've told you anytime you see scriptures and you see names that have capitals, they refer to God. So he, he knew very clearly that this was God and now God came into the scenario and he was seated. His white garment represents his holiness. It represents his purity. It represents his sinlessness. It represents his epitome of righteousness. That is why he said, I am holy. He said, you be holy because I am holy. The first thing that Daniel noticed about the ancient of days is that he had a garment that was white as snow. And the hair, the hair on his head was also pure, like pure wool. Pure, representing purity. And then the Bible says his throne was a fairy flame, a flame that has fire coming out of it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 that that is representation of our God, the consuming fire. The fire of God is not released to consume you and I. The fire of God is not released to consume people. The fire of God is released to consume the evil that is in people or the evil that attempts to consume people. When the Bible says his throne was a fiery flame, all he is seeking to do is to release his fire against every manifestation of the lion, against every manifestation of the bear, against every manifestation of the leopard, against every manifestation of the fiery beast with ten horns. The Bible says he saw that there was a fiery flame. And its wheels, a burning fire. The wheels there represents the fact that he is willing to be anywhere at any time. The wheels there represents that wherever the judgment is needed, the wheels of fire can translate him and transform him to where the matter is. The wheels of fire means that God's judgment prevails all over the earth. Now, we know that God is everywhere, every time. for the sake of emphasis and for graphic illustration, Daniel had this revelation to make him understand that no matter where he is, no matter how things are, God is willing to step in into the affairs of men to rescue men from the hard-handedness of the enemy. The Bible says there was a time in Exodus chapter 3, That the children of Israel were put into under so much tribute and bondage by a king called Pharaoh. And Pharaoh made life very difficult for these precious souls. And they were suffering and suffering and suffering. And one day God went to a man, appeared to a man in a fiery furnace. In a burning bush. He appeared to this man in his judgment uh, appearance. The fiery flame of God represents his judgment. His consuming of darkness. He's putting an end to wickedness. He came and he said to Moses, he said, Moses, Moses. He said, I have heard the cries of my children in Egypt and I have seen their troubles. Now I am calling you and I'm sending you forth to go and rescue them. And we know the rest of the story. God said to Moses, I am sending you there. Moses said, if I say to them that God has said, or if I say to them and they ask me, who has sent you? He said, God said to them, you tell them I am. That I am. I am that I am. I am that is everywhere. I am that is everything. I am that is able to judge. I am that is able to save you from every tribulation, every difficulty, everything that is called a temptation and a trial that is making your life of righteousness a hell. I am that I am. I am the one that sent you. Why didn't he just appear in a still small voice to Moses? Why was it a fire that consumed that bush just to show that it was his presence, the bush did not get burnt. Just to show that it was not about consuming the bush, the bush did not get burnt. But just to show that he has appeared again. He has appeared again to release his judgment against the wickedness that was going on for 400 years on his children. He is the same God. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that he is right here in this assembly again today as that burning fire. He is right here to consume every walk of darkness around your life. He is right here to consume everything that is limiting your spiritual walk. He is right here to consume everything that is trying to make life a living hell for you. And he shall consume them all today. In the name of Jesus. These were great beasts. At a point, Daniel said, I had to ask. I need to understand who these beasts are. And let's go to Daniel chapter 7 again, verse 17. The Bible says those great beasts which are four are four kings which arise out of the earth. Then verse 18. Let's read from verse 18. Because God works the work of righteousness as a righteous judge. These four kings that represented four kingdoms were tormenting people. But the Bible says when God appeared... And his throne was set up, and the Ancient of Days came. Let's read from verse 18. He said, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 21, because he began to describe the, the beast again. But verse 21, let's read verse 21. He said, and I was watching... Uh, the same horn was making war against the saints and prevailing against them. Somebody say, God forbid. The same horn, the wicked horn, was making war against the saints and it was prevailing against them. Friends, I want you to know that there is the manifestation of evil against the church of Christ today all over the world. There is an attack, a big onslaught of the enemy that is walking against the church. But thank God, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the ancient of days said, I, the Daniel said, I was watching. And the same horn was also making war against the saints and prevailing against them. The devil may be thinking he's winning. He may be thinking he's doing what he's doing. The Bible says he was making war against the saints and he was prevailing. But that prevailing was for a short time. Go to the next verse. Please go to the next verse and let's read together loud and clear. Until the ancient of days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the most high. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. We will possess this kingdom. I said we will possess this kingdom. The churches will be filled up again with saints worshiping God. The enemy being destroyed in the name of Jesus. This is the time for the church to rise. This is the time for the church to call on the holiness of the ancient of days. This is the time for the church worldwide not to allow the devil to keep doing everything that he's seeking to do. The Bible says there was a time he sowed tears in the life and in the, in the vineyard of a man while men slept. But the Bible says the Lord of the harvest came and they were about to remove the tears. He said, no, let them for a little while. There is a phase where God leaves those tears for a little while. He leaves that pain for a little while. He leaves that suffering for a little while. Because the tears will never be able to grow enough to the stage the fruits will grow. But as they grow together, you start to see the fruits manifesting clearly among the saints. And as the fruits are manifesting, then it can be easy to remove the tears. There is something that we need to learn about God in our personal lives, in our families, and in our situations in our churches. I pray that God will open our eyes to understand that he who is the master builder remains in charge, and he remains in charge all the time in the name of Jesus. And so when he allows certain things to happen, it's so that he can quickly, easily distinguish, so that everyone can see where the tears are and where the true vine is. May we continue to allow God to do what he desires to do in the name of Jesus. So the existence of God in time, before time began, makes him sovereign over all events that happen. You see, the devil is also a creature. He has been created from a long time, but we must never forget that he too was created only God was never created. He just existed. Now, that beats the imagination of man, so don't even try to reason it out. Don't try. You can't, you can't understand. He just existed. Because our brain is finite, and it cannot understand how something just existed. But Satan was created among the first set of angels, and he was made the archangel originally. Why am I making this emphasis? When the one that was created is trying to usurp power and make himself more important to the one who created him and we allow him, then the foolishness is not his but ours. It is for us to realize that God who is sovereign existed before the creature, the beasts, all of them, if we all realize that the one who created all things existed before them, whatever they're doing in our lives, either making it difficult for us to walk in true holiness or even having a walk that is of dominion, we rest our case upon the creator. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1, we must understand he, God who existed before time began makes time. He makes everything sovereign in all events of life, even through time, the Bible says he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and is the same forevermore. Let's read Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name, you are mine. Say, I am his. Say, I am his. Why should you say that? Because you need to continue to trace yourself back to your roots. Now, God created you two times. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? (laughs) God created you two times. And you see it in that verse there. Very simple. Very simple. You just need to read it well. Then you see that you were created twice. Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, who formed you. Say number one. The first creation was the day you were born physically into this earth, and they took you in that hospital. If you were born in my generation, they turned you upside down and smacked your bum so that you talk. They don't do that anymore <laughs> because life is very sophisticated now. When children come out now, they just go hey, by themselves. <laughs> Those days, they used to come out eyes closed, hands shut, they don't talk. That's how we came out. I don't know why. Maybe our parents were eating something that was not good. <laughs> We came out like that, and they had to turn us upside down to be sure we're alive. <laughs> they turn us upside down and give us a little smack. Then we go, wow. If you were born in my generation, that's what they did, whether they told you or not. <laughs> All of us went through that. But these days, they come out, and you, if you give them an iPad as they are coming out, they will just do that. <laughs> they will be swiping and putting passwords. They are something else nowadays. <laughs> Very sophisticated. First time you were formed, you were created. The second point is at the last part of the verse. Say, fear not, for I have what? Redeemed you. I have redeemed you and called you by name. Somebody say, my new birth. birth. So God created you twice. He created you first naturally and then secondly, supernaturally. Why am I saying this? Because you are now his. You are adopted. Your new birth gave you the right to call him Abba Father and also to enjoy him as ancient of days verse 13. Isaiah 43, verse 13. He said, Indeed, before the day was, I am he, and there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I walk, and who will reverse it? This is God speaking. Now, verse 14. Let's read together. Let's read together. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I will send to Babylon And bring them all down as fugitives. The Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. Verse 15. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Hallelujah. He said, I will go to Babylon and rescue you. Babylon represents the place of torment. The place of of hard labor. The place of slavery. He said, I will go there and rescue you because I am the Lord, your holy one. Don't forget, he said, you be holy as I am holy. So everything that is trying to hold you down, don't, I want you to understand, when we talk about the work of holiness, it's not just about living, not telling lies, not committing fornication and adultery, not being disrespectful to parents, you know, not missing those things in the Ten Commandments. Holiness is living like God living the very life of God, the life of dominion that he wanted you and I to live in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 when he said have dominion. That is the holiness. He does not want the enemy to have dominion over you and so he wants you to be holy. He, the enemy does not have dominion over him because he is holy. He is the holy one. And so he does not want the devil to have dominion over you. And say, so he said be holy, be like me. And walk in dominion and not the devil having dominion over you. May you and I come into this place of true holiness. In the name of Jesus. I want to quickly give us a couple of manifestations of the ancient of days who is our righteous judge. When we talk about him as the ancient of days, it simply means he is the righteous judge. The one who comes in with the fiery furnace. The one who comes in with the fire. The one who comes in and appears. As as the fourth man, even in the fiery furnace that was built by man. Remember in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? A fiery furnace that was built and constructed by man to destroy saints were made. And the Bible says, as saints were put inside it, the fourth man appeared. The ancient of days came in the form of Jesus Christ and manifested as the fourth man. And the fire of man was not able to consume the saints of God. But when the saints of God were removed from it, And ordinary mortals were put into it. The fire of man was able to consume man. Check it again. It is a mystery that he comes through because he is the Holy One. He is our creator. He is our righteous judge. The first thing I'd like us to quickly emphasize today. Please note, he gives us strength to overcome spiritual weaknesses. The Ancient of Days gives us strength to overcome spiritual weaknesses. Isaiah 51 From verse 7. he said, listen to me, you who know righteousness. You people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men. Nor be afraid of their insults. Do not fear the reproach of men. The harassment of men. The intimidation of men. Now, the man there is talking about the men that allowed the devil to use them. You see, the devil doesn't come down... In a a physical form. He doesn't appear in a physical form many times. But he walks through systems. He walks through people. He walked through a man called Pharaoh, as I explained to you earlier on, to make life difficult for the children of God. He walked through Nebuchadnezzar to try to consume the people of God in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He walked through Herod to kill James and to try to kill Peter. So the devil walks through men. But the Bible says, "Do not fear the reproach of such men. They may be insulting. They may cooperate with the devil to try to make life difficult for you, but do not fear them." Verse eight, verse nine, verse nine. Let's read together. He said, "Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days, in the generations of old." Are you not in the arm that are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Tell your neighbor for me, put on strength. You are the arm of the Lord. And he began to reiterate who God is, verse ten. Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their head. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall do what? Flee away. Hallelujah. We must understand that we need to put on the strength of God when we are feeling the insults of the enemy. When we are feeling the discouragements of life. Life does not always present the good to you. I don't know how else I can explain to believers. Believers think that something is wrong when they go through trials. Believers think that something is wrong with them when they go through trials. Or that something, uh, that, that God is unfair or God is unkind. No, I want you to know that there is something that God has in store for you. And at times, what those things mean is that you have to be subjected to certain things. We looked at this a couple of weeks ago. You have to be subjected to certain things as God proves you through that process. I have shared with you so many times that Joseph, who was sold into slavery, was not shown the aspect of slavery when he first got the two dreams. He dreamt twice. He saw himself being in a position of authority. Beautiful dream. But along the line, what will make that dream come to pass involved some pain. It involved a bit of weeping. I am sure there were days he was like, what is all this, Lord? You know, the pit was bad enough. But he got out of that. And somebody who was seeing himself in royal robes, we always say he was a very master, he was a good slave in the house of Potiphar. But look at his background. He was a person favored by his father, a person who his father showed so much love, a person who was like, you know, the the spoiled kid, if you like. But this suddenly became somebody who had to be scrubbing floors and, and cleaning houses and washing restrooms and toilets. You cannot imagine it. It is, not, it is not an honorable place to be. It was a place of pain emotionally. But he went through all that because it was all part of the plan that will help him to get to the throne. There is no way he would have been on the throne in Egypt if he had not landed Potiphar's house. And the only way he could get to be in Potiphar's house was to have been sold into slavery. So we must understand the sequence every time that God, who in his infinite message wants us to walk in holiness, is ensuring that all that is going to happen to us at the end of the day is that we shall return and come with singing to Zion. We will keep having testimonies. I say we will keep having testimonies. And everlasting joy will continue to be upon our heads. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and then sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Before those verses, He said, don't forget, I'm the God that dried the Red Sea. I'm the God that used Rahab. I'm the God that did so many things. Every time you come to a crossroad in your life, keep reminding yourself of the things that he had done before. Either that you read the scripture or that he has done in your life. I use my own experiences of life today to counsel even my own children. Things I went through when I was that age. Things that I thought at that time were painful and were horrific and were sent to destroy me. But there are things today that are a position of strength. When I meet young people today, I can share with them with all confidence that God took me through those stages and he can take them through as well. I was sharing with, 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 a, with a brother yesterday about how, you know, about this time sort of 15 years ago when my kids were about certain ages because I could relate with them in that age. And I said, I can confidently tell you it's an age that will come and quickly go to pa- come to pass. But when you are in it, it appears as if it is going to last forever. When you are in a state of challenge and a state of, 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 of trial, it always appears. That's why Paul said every one of our affliction is momentary and they are light. God knows that you can go through them and he knows that they are only for a phase. And I decree that that same God will deliver you from every affliction in the name of Jesus. The Bible says joy and gladness shall be upon them. They shall obtain it, and sorrow and signs shall flee away. Sorrow will flee from your territory in the name of Jesus. So the first thing we must always remember about the Ancient of Days is that he gives us strength to overcome spiritual weaknesses. He reminds us of what he has done in time past. That's why he's called Ancient. He reminds us of what he has done in time past and what he's able to do again. This is why even Jesus came and used the power of the Ancient of Days to speak about himself. He said to them, He said, as it was in the days of Jonah, and Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man spend three nights, three days in the grave, so as to do the work of victory that he has been mandated to do. The Ancient of Days is a perfect God. Hallelujah. Amen. The second thing I'd like to say is that he performs his counsel regardless of the passage of time. God created time. Please say it with me God created time. So he's not subject to time. So he's not subject to time. Time means nothing to God. What he desires to do, he will do. That's why in John chapter 11, Lazarus was dead for how many days? Four days. Whether he was dead for one day, two days, three days, it makes no difference. In fact, when they first told him, he, he was just freshly dead, if there is anything like that. He just died. And normally, One would expect from medical uh, grounds and everything that the the best thing you try to do to somebody that is perceived dead is to attend to them if possible, as quickly as possible. Because we have seen people come back to life, heart start beating again, heart stopped. Somehow, somehow, after about 10 seconds, God intervened, something happened, heart start beating again. That's the natural thing to want to do, get there in time to save this person. But to prove the the point that the ancient of days is never subjected to time, Whether it is 12 years or 4 days, whether it is 18 years, I'm using dates that are in scripture of, of how long people suffer some affliction. Or whether they have been like that for 38 years. You remember that man? 38 years in John chapter 5. It makes no difference to God. He is the ancient of days. He has days and time in his command. He just needs to intervene when he chooses to intervene. And when he intervenes, he makes all things good. I say he makes all things good. In the name of Jesus Look at Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9. He said, remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is none like me. Just for emphasis. Verse 10 says, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times. Things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. Are you open that? Isaiah 46 verse 9 and 10. My counsel. Isaiah 46 verse 9 and 10. Me, verse 10. He said, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand, where Jesus is always standing, interceding for you and I, are pleasures forevermore. He is not subject to time. Please say to your neighbor one more time, God is not subject to time. He will always perform his counsel. The Bible says, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. What does that mean to you? If he says, be holy, it simply means you will be holy. You and I will be holy. You and I will be perfect. We are on our journey to perfection, but we will not remain stagnated. We will not remain uh, in a state of sinfulness. We will continually be perfected because his counsel shall stand and he will do his pleasure. His pleasure is that we be holy as he is holy and God will perform his counsel in your life and in my life in the name of Jesus. He said, I declare the end from the beginning. I declare the end from the beginning. Somebody illustrated this. When you go, if, if you are into gardening and you go to buy seedlings, my father was a botanist. He, he loved he, he liked plants, and he used to do a lot of planting around our house. And uh, I wasn't too interested in them. He would he call me and say, this one is called Basiberos oriferos. <laughs> and you expect me to remember the next day. Then the next day, you say, what is it called? I say, I can't remember. I say, Go away from here. <laughs> Give me numbers. That is my own. Yeah, let us do formula calculation. Yeah, what is what is Baciberos? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So he used to buy a lot of seedlings. But I would follow him to the shops. And I find that when you want to buy a plant in a shop, they put the picture of the plant on the back of the park with the flowers, everything blossoming. But when you open it, what do you see inside? Seeds. Seeds. Nothing that looks like what is on that plant. But when you go and do what they say, put it in the right kind of soil, water it, give it time, you will see exactly that picture come back. That is how God is. When he said be holy, he has already seen you in the holy state perfected state in your white garment robe with him in heaven. Not the white garment that people put on here or not to do service. That's not what I'm talking about. The real white garment that you and I will wear, the translated body that we will have. Hallelujah. That is what he has seen. He has declared that from the beginning. And so we're only walking from seeds into the fruits to become that which God said we will be at the end time. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. The third thing is that he assures us of progressive and ultimate sanctification through the manifestation of Christ. What's the first thing? He gives us strength to overcome spiritual weaknesses. Secondly, he performs his counsel regardless of the passage of time. He performs his counsel regardless of the passage of time. Then number three, he assures us of progressive and ultimate sanctification through His manifestation as Christ. You see, we need to understand in that place we read in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Daniel said, I was watching in night visions, verse 13, thank you. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Now, this who is the son of man is Jesus Christ, capital S, capital M coming before the ancient of days, called the Father, and the Bible says, and they brought him near before him. This is who he is. Verse 14. He said, Then to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. This is the prophetic declaration of what Paul eventually wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, when he said, Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Who was, uh, the Bible says that he, he, he was, uh, and God gave him a name. That's what I'm looking for. And God gave him a name that is above every other name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. God highly translated him. This was the prophetic declaration of that event by Daniel. The Bible says they brought him before him. They brought him before him. And verse 14 says, and then to him was given dominion, dominion, the name above every other name, and glory, and a kingdom. Again, emphasizing the prophecy that came about Jesus Christ, that his his dominion will be everlasting, his kingdom will be everlasting, according to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said that all peoples, all languages, can you see the tongues there now? All peoples, every nation. He said, every knee shall bow. Those are the peoples. And then every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. All languages. Can you see that? So that you know that Jesus is not an accidental, our faith in Jesus is, an accidental, is not an accidental thing. It's a full-blown plan of God. To reinstate our dominion in holiness and in every aspect of life. The Bible says his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. So our faith in Christ must remain unshaken. Colossians 2.9 says that it pleased the Father that in him shall dwell the fullness of God bodily. Let's start from verse 6. He said, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You and I need to be rooted and built up in faith. You and I need to be built, rooted, seated deeply, built up in faith, knowing fully well that Christ is our only hope for our holiness. Verse 9 says, for in him... Dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Say, Lord, I thank you because I am complete in you. Thank you for saving me. We must therefore continue to overcome all condemnation by the help of the ancient of days. We must continue to overcome all condemnation. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. All he seeks to do is to keep telling you you are a failure. You cannot make it spiritually. You cannot make it physically. You cannot make it in your career. You cannot make it in marriage. You cannot make it in parenting. You cannot make it. You cannot make it. Every day you hear his voice suggesting to you every way that you cannot make it. But I want you to know. That there is therefore now no condemnation for you. I said, There is therefore now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He said, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Verse 2 For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Somebody say, I am free. Do your hand like that. Say, I am free. I am free from the law of sin and death in the name of Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 17. The Bible says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Rise to your feet and say, I am saved.